Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. Is there anybody in the house this morning who believes in angels? <laughs> I believe in angels. And today I want to talk to you about the ministry of angels. I think I stirred up something a little bit last week when I talked about the God of angel armies, Jehovah Sabaoth. That I've gotten a lot of calls and texts and emails this week saying, Pastor, could you further expand? We know now who the God of angel armies is, but could you talk a little bit more about those angels? And... I must admit to you that when it comes to angels, I think that people fall into one of two extremes. One, I believe that some people are angel obsessed. Even in the new age movement, people are encouraging you to get in touch with your angel within or to try to contact your angel. Listen to me, that's dangerous. That's channeling spirits and it's very satanic. Stay away from that. But some people are are, are very obsessive when it comes to angels. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who are, and I don't mean this insulting in any way because I put myself in this category, that they're ignorant when it comes to the subject of angels. I grew up in church, but I don't remember ever hearing one message, one sermon on the subject of angels. Graduated from Lee University with my degree in biblical studies. But I don't ever remember one class being offered on the ministry of angels. And so I thought I would make it a point today and next week to talk to you about angels. And not what experience has to say about angels because experience can get us in trouble. But what the word of God has to say about the ministry of angels. And the Word of God has much to say about the ministry of angels. Over 300 references in the Bible to the ministry of angels. 116 times in the Old Testament and 175 times in the New Testament, just in case you thought that the ministry of angels was confined to just the Old Testament. There's more scriptures about the ministry of angels in the New Testament than there was about the ministry of angels in the Old Testament. And so what I'm going to do today is we're going to look at some myths that people have about angels, some fantasy that people have about angels, and then we're going to combat that with the facts of God's Word. And then next week, I'm going to get more specific about the ministry of angels in particular to us, the children of God. But there's a few passages of scripture that I want us to use as our source for these next two weeks. The first is in Psalm 103 verse 20. That says this about angels. It says, praise the Lord, you angels. You mighty ones who carry out his plans. So the the Bible tells us there that angels are mighty ones who carry out the plans of God listening for each of his commands. Then verse 21 goes on and says, yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels 
of which we talked last week. Jesus is the commander-in-chief of those armies. Jesus is Jehovah Sebioth, the God of angel armies. And he said, praise the Lord, you, you, you armies of angels who do what? Who serve him and do his will. And that's what angels do. They serve God. They serve the Lord and they do the will of the Lord. We find even more information about the ministry of angels in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. And the book of Hebrews is a book all about the superiority of Christ, that Christ is superior over all things and over all people, including angels. And so the writer of Hebrews said, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand? Until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. I'll tell you how many, none. God never said that to an angel. He said it to Jesus. And Jesus is superior over the angels. And then he tells us what angels are and what they do. He said, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So in a nutshell, what are angels and what are they sent to do? Angels are ministering spirits sent to serve the saints of God. It's a lot of S's in there, isn't it? Could be a tongue twister. Ministering spirits sent to serve the saints of God. You may have read in the Old Testament about a guy by the name of Jacob who had a dream one night and in his dream he saw a ladder that extended from earth to heaven. And ascending and descending up and down this ladder were angels. Well, Jesus in John chapter 1 verse 51, in a conversation with a man by the name of Nathaniel, tells us what that ladder represented or who that ladder represented. He said this, he said, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now we know that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And the ladder in the Old Testament is a picture of Jesus, the commander of the Lord's army. And I believe what we see here is a picture of the angels coming and going, carrying out the assignments that they're being given by the Lord Jesus Christ, coming and going, ascending and descending. Bringing the word of the Lord, bringing the protection of God, bringing the provision of God at the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk more about their specific ministry to us next week. But today I think we need to lay some fantasy and some myth to rest and look at what the word of God has to say. And here, here's the first fantasy that I think we need to address when it comes to angels. And that is that a lot of people think that angels are human beings who have died. How many times have you heard somebody who lost a loved one and somebody would go to them and say, well, I'm so sorry, but God just needed another angel in heaven. Or if you lose a child and somebody comes to you and I'm so sorry, but the Lord just needed another sweet little angel in heaven. Listen. I understand the thought, I understand the intent behind it to try to make those parents or to try to make that family feel better, but it is not biblical. Because angels are not human beings who have died. Where did we get that to begin with? Where, where did we get that idea? 
And, and I think maybe we got that idea from Hollywood. And some of you will be watching this movie here in a few weeks as Christmas gets closer to us. But how many of you have ever seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? You've seen that? You, you can talk back to me. We're a church that kind of just talks back and forth to each other. But, but you know, in, in, in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Jimmy Stewart, who is George Bailey in the movie, uh, loses everything. He, he's, he falls on financial hard times and he feels so bad about what he's done that he finds himself on a bridge about to throw himself into an icy river to kill himself. When all of a sudden an angel shows up and the angel's name is Clarence. And Clarence lets Jimmy Stewart know that he actually died back in the 1800s, but he's still just a second-class angel because he hasn't earned his wings yet. And that he's hoping that he can help Jimmy Stewart, which of course is George Bailey in the movie, get his life back together again, save his life, and earn his wings as an angel. And of course, we know how the story goes that uh, the people come together and they begin to bring money and, 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 and Jimmy Stewart, you know, kind of gets his life back together again. He's blessed by the people and, and they're all at the end of the movie, they're all surrounding a Christmas tree and suddenly a bell rings at the top of the tree. And little Juju in the movie looks at his daddy and says, Daddy, teacher says that when a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. And Jimmy Stewart looks up and says, thank you, Clarence. And I think that's where a lot of folks get this idea that angels are human beings who have died. But there's no scripture to back that up. What the Bible does teach us, though, about angels is that they are spiritual beings created by God. They are spiritual beings. They are disembodied spirits, even though sometimes God enables them to present themselves as human beings. They are created beings, spiritual beings created by God. Now, because they are spiritual beings, they're unlike us. We live in a body. So we get sick and eventually we die. But angels are immortal. They don't get sick. They never get sick. They never die. They live forever. But sometimes, as I said, God does enable them to appear as a human being. But they are spiritual beings created by God. Remember what the writer of Hebrews said. He said, are not all angels ministering spirits? And then Colossians tells us, Paul tells us this in Colossians. He said, for in him that is in Christ, all things were created. Things in heaven and things on earth. Things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So angels are spiritual beings created by God. And listen to me, because they are created beings, we are not to worship them. The only time you find an angel in scripture being worshiped is when it's the angel of the Lord. When it's a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, then those that see him bow and worship him. But we are not to worship angels. We're not even to call on angels. We are to call on God who dispatches his angels on our behalf. That leads us to a second fantasy and myth. 
that I think we need to address today. And that is that a lot of people think that angels appear as chubby babies with wings. Now, where do we get that? From Greek mythology. You ever heard of Cupid? Cupid, draw back your bow and let your arrow go straight to my lover's heart for me. See, I missed my calling, didn't I? I'm here all week, folks. I'm here all week. But have this idea that angels are these chubby babies with wings and bows and arrows in their hand and that if we could just convince Oh, Cupid, to release his arrow into that person's heart that we want to love us, then our life would be so much better. But that is not scriptural. Fact is, angels most often appear as ordinary men. And you know what? You may have encountered an angel and not even known that you encountered an angel. I've had people ask me, Pastor, have you ever had an experience with an angel? Have you ever seen an angel? I've never seen one, but I do believe that I have encountered angels. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 12, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. The King James Version says that you've entertained angels unaware. You see, when you gave somebody a meal that was hungry, when you gave somebody a drink that was thirsty, when you gave somebody clothes that was naked, when you visited somebody in prison, when you reached out to help somebody in need, you never know that that stranger that came along that you were hospitable to, that you helped with their need, you never know whether or not that was not an angel that had been sent by the Lord. Because many times you go back to the Old Testament and you'll find that Abraham had an encounter with angels that appeared to him as men. Sodom and Gomorrah, two angels went into Sodom and Gomorrah to bring about the judgment of God, to give warning to Lot and to his family. And they had the appearance of human beings. So no, they do not appear as chubby babies, you know, chubby babies floating on clouds with, with, with bow and arrows in their hand. No, most of the time that they are visible, they appear as an ordinary human being, which brings us to a third fantasy that we need to address. And that is that people believe that angels are just these sweet little creatures who sing and play harps. Oh, you sweet little angel. Oh, you precious little angel. And that's, that's, that's the image that we have of angels. They're sweet creatures who sing and play harps. Now listen to me. I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation studying this particular subject, and I've never been able to find one scripture where angels play harps. Not one. This is going to really blow you away. I've never even found one scripture where angels sing. They speak, but I've never seen a scripture where they sing. And the Bible says that when you and I get to heaven, we're going to sing. And what are we going to sing? We're going to sing the song of the redeemed. Now, angels can't sing that song because angels have never been lost. Therefore, they've never been saved. So they don't know what it feels like to have been lost and to have been redeemed. They don't know the joy of salvation. But you and I that have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior here today, we've experienced the joy of salvation. Therefore, we sing the song of the redeemed. 
So, so this thing of angels that are just sweet creatures who, who sing and play harps, no, the fact is more this, and that is that angels are most often warriors who hold swords. I showed you a passage last week from Joshua chapter 5 that when the angel of the Lord showed up, he showed up with a sword in his hand. We're going to see another passage of scripture today from Numbers chapter 22 where the angel of the Lord shows up with a sword in his hand. When God cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden because of their sin, look at what he did. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. Angels with swords. And let me tell you something, they can do some damage. If you go to the book of Isaiah chapter 37 verse 36, it says that one angel of the Lord, and if you read and get the context with a sword in his hand, it says that he went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And when the surviving Assyrian soldiers woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. One angel that the Lord sent that wiped out 185 85,000 Assyrian soldiers and we're wondering if God can take care of us and we're wondering if God can protect us and we're wondering if God can guard our lives you better believe it the Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp round about those who fear him somebody thank God today for his mighty angels his mighty angels Where did we ever get this idea anyway that angels have feathers or wings? Because, you know, some people that believe all angels have wings. Well, that's not necessarily the case. When you you study, and and there's different categories of angels. First of all, there's what's called archangels. And a lot of people believe there's only one archangel that the Bible identifies as Michael. I believe there were three archangels. I believe Michael... Is an archangel, is an archangel. I believe Gabriel is an archangel. And I believe that Lucifer was an archangel. Now the Bible says not only did Jesus create the angels, but he knows how many angels exist. He knows the number of angels. Revelation says that when they counted, there was 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million. But that doesn't even scratch the surface as to how many angels there were. But I believe that originally there were three archangels. I believe that when Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning, that he was talking about when Satan rebelled against God in heaven and God kicked him out of heaven and Satan was so convincing that he was able to lead a third of the angels in heaven to go with him in his rebellion against God. And he and the third of those angels, which we now refer to as fallen angels or demonic spirits, were booted out of heaven. So there were three archangels. Now there's two, Gabriel and Michael, and we're going to see here in just a moment how they work together to fulfill the purpose and the plan of God. But if Satan fell and led a third of the angels, that means there's still two-thirds left in heaven. Maybe Michael has authority over a third and Gabriel has authority over the other third. I'm not sure about that, but it seems to make sense. So you have the archangels, but then you also have what is referred to simply as God's holy angels. That would be the God of angels, or that would be the angel armies of which Jesus is the master of, the host of. 
And then you have another category of angels, and this is where people get the thing that angels have wings, because you have a cherub mentioned in the Bible. Cherubim is the, 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 the plural of singular cherub. And, and the Bible says that the cherubim, that, that they overshadow the ark, the, the, the lid that's on the ark of the covenant. And it says that the cherubim have four wings each. And then it talks about seraphim, and seraphim have six wings each. But they're the only angels in Scripture that talks about them having wings. All angels do not have wings, which brings us to the next fantasy. And that is that all angels are good. It's what a lot of people believe. All angels are good and obey God. Mm-mm. I wish that were the case because a third of those angels fail and they're evil and they oppose God which is the fact of scripture that some angels are evil and oppose God. We're going to look at a passage of scripture here in just a moment where Jesus has before him the sheep and the goats, referring to people. Some people like sheep, some people like goats. Are like goats, are like sheep. And Jesus looks at the sheep and he says to them, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came and visited me. And the disciples look at Jesus and say, well, Lord, when did we do all of this for you? He said, when you did it for the least of these, you did it unto me. And then he talks about the goats. And he said, the goats are just the opposite of that. When they saw somebody hungry, they didn't feed them. When they saw somebody thirsty, they didn't give them something to drink. When they saw that somebody was in prison, they didn't visit them. And the Lord says this about them in Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those goats on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil, look at this, and his angels. So there are evil angels. And their work is to oppose everything that God wants to do in your life and in my life and in this world that we live in. We see an example of that in Daniel chapter 10. Now stay with me here for just a few more minutes. We see an example of this in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel had been fasting for three days. And at the end of that three-day fast, he has a vision. And it's a vision about things yet to come in the future, how things were going to unfold in the end times. But it was blurry to him. He, He didn't have clarity. And so for 21 more days... Daniel is praying, wanting clarity about the vision that the Lord had given him. For 21 days, he prayed, and it seemed like nothing was happening. But let me just say something to you this morning. That when you're praying about something, and it doesn't seem like anything has happened, or it seems like nothing is happening, sometimes it's not because you're praying the wrong prayer. It could be because you're praying the right prayer. And the enemy is doing everything that he possibly can to keep you from getting the answer to that right prayer that you are praying. And that's what happens here with Daniel. He's praying for 21 days and there is a delay in his answer because there is a war that is taking place in the heavenlies above him that he's not able to see. It's an invisible war. It's an invisible battle. 
Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You have the angels of God and the angels of the devil that are in constant battle, in constant warfare. And we see that here in Daniel chapter 10 because finally Gabriel arrives to Daniel and he says to Daniel, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. And he said, I have come now in answer to your prayers. But he said, for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia Notice there was a strong man. There was a territorial spirit over the kingdom of Persia that was opposing Gabriel as Gabriel was trying to get from the presence of God to where Daniel was with the answer to Daniel's prayer. There was a spiritual battle that was going on in the heavens. And he said, 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. But then Michael, one of the archangels, that's why I think there's more than one because it says here, one of the archangels, which means that there's more. He said, he came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And then he goes on and he says, now I am here to explain what's going to happen. I'm going to give you clarity about this vision for this vision concerns yet a time to come I guess what I'm trying to say to you this morning is if you're praying about something and you know what you're praying about is the will of God don't stop praying just because there is a delay just because you haven't gotten your answer yet don't stop praying because it's prayer that is the most formidable weapon that you have against those strongholds in heaven and while you are praying God gets to work in through his angels to fight those battles for you so that the answer that he has for you can get to where you are. So don't stop praying. Stay on your knees. Keep praying. Even though you're in a delay, even though you haven't gotten an answer yet, keep praying, church. Keep praying, church. Persevere in your prayer time. Be persistent in your prayer time. Endure in your prayer time because I guarantee you that eventually there will be breakthrough. And your answer will come. Which brings me to a final fantasy that we need to deal with. And you can go ahead, Tanya, and help me close here. And that is people that believe, well, angels have got to be seen to be real. (laughs) You know, some folks live by that motto. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, then you're probably going to have a hard time believing in angels. Because most of the time, you don't see them. Because the Bible says that they are usually invisible. And we have to be divinely enabled to see them. 2 Kings chapter 6. A king by the name of Ben-Hadad II. He was king of Aram. And he would pillage and plunder all the different towns and communities of Israel. And every time he would get his advisors together, and the Bible would call it his bedroom, he would go in there in private because he didn't want anybody else to hear what his plans were. What the next town, what the next city, what the next village was going to be that they were going to pillage and plunder. Well, what he didn't know was that every time he met 
with those officials in his bedroom, God was there. And God was listening. And God had a servant by the name of Elisha. And everything that the king of Aram would do, God would tell Elisha. And then Elisha would be able to go to the king of Jerusalem or the king of Israel who was Jehoram. And Elisha would tell the king everything that God had revealed to him about what the next town was going to be, what the next city was going to be that was going to be pillaged so that the king of Israel could set up a fortress and be ready so that when the king of Aram attacked, they wouldn't be caught off guard. This happened over and over and over again. And finally, the king of Aram, Ben-Hadad, got so frustrated. He got so mad. He said, I want to know right now who the secret informant is in my house that keeps going and telling them what I'm going to do. And finally, one of his servants spoke up and said, hey, Lord, our king, it, it ain't nobody in your house. There's this prophet in Israel by the name of Elisha. And he said, everything that is said in your bedroom is heard by the Lord and told to this prophet, Elisha. <laughs> he said, well, where is this man of God? Where, where is Elisha? He said, he down in Dothan, not Dothan, Alabama. You gotta be careful, because some folks ain't never read their Bible. He's down in Dothan. And so the king, Ben-Hadad of Aram, gets a huge force, an army together, horses and chariots. And he surrounds Dothan where the man of God is. And the man of God, Elisha, had a servant. And I love the servant's response because when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And look at what his response was. Oh no, my Lord. What are we going to do? And isn't that the way we respond so many times? When we see the opposition coming against us, the enemy coming against us, and we, we feel like we are outnumbered, we're overwhelmed. God, look at this vast army that's surrounding us. Look at the enemy that has surrounded my life. Oh my Lord, what, what shall we do? And, and then I love what, Elisha does. He looks at his servant and he says, chill, man, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. <laughs> now about this time, his servant looked at him and said, are you crazy? All I count is two, me and you. And then I see this vast army surrounding us. And you're telling me that those who are for us are more than those who are against us. Because you see, Elisha was able to see something that the servant wasn't able to see. And so Elisha prays and he says, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Oh, when I was singing that song a little bit ago, we're standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. I may not be able to see them with my physical eye, 
But I'm telling you, if the Lord would open our spiritual eyes up here this morning, you would be amazed at what you see. You wouldn't walk out of this place with any fear in your heart, but you would walk out of here knowing that those who are with us are so much greater and so much more powerful and so much more in number than those who are against us. Oh Lord, open our eyes this morning. God, that we might be able to see what a vast army your angels are. Would you stand with me this morning? Oh, if we could just see it. Open our eyes, Lord. Can, can, can I just very quickly just show you one more, one more thing? From Numbers chapter 22, a guy by the name of Balaam. Balaam who had been involved in all kinds of witchcraft would be hired by other people, paid money for his fortune-telling abilities. Wasn't a prophet, he was a fortune-teller. And he was being offered a substantial amount of money to go and to speak curses over the nation of Israel. And God told him, he said, no, you will not curse what I've blessed. But he was hungry for money. And he did it anyway disobeyed the Lord. But look, look, look what happens here. So the next morning, Balaam got up and saddled his donkey. This is going to blow your mind. If you've never seen this story in the Bible before, it's going to blow your mind. It blows my mind every time I read it. I, I can't even believe it's here. I can't even believe this is true, but it is. Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. And as Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey, now look at this, his donkey saw the angel of the Lord. Now Balaam and his servants don't see the angel of the Lord, but the donkey does. Crazy. And he sees the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword drawn in his hand. And the donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat the donkey and, and got it back on the road. <laughs> then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. And when the donkey again saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and it crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Not over yet. Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood in a place too narrow for, for the donkey to get by at all. So the donkey only has one choice left. This time the donkey saw the angel and laid down under Balaam. It just sat right down. And in a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. <laughs> then something really crazy happens. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. Yes, and the donkey talked and said to Balaam, Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? And then the angel of the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel. But let, 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 me, let me just back up here for just a moment. Balaam answered the donkey and said, You've made a fool of me. That's why I've been beating you. You made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. And then the donkey said back to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey? 
which you have always written to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this kind of stuff to you before? To which Balaam responds and says, no, you haven't. And then at that moment, the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord. Now the angel of the Lord had been there all along, but it was only when the Holy Spirit, when God enabled him that he was able to see the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. And in the very next verse, listen to what it says. And I'm not going to put it on the screen. But he said, I stood in the way to block you because the road that you're on is a road that's going to end up in destruction. And I'm trying to stop you. I wonder where we would be today if it had not been for the angels that God has put in our path that kept us from a road that led to destruction. I am so thankful today for the ministry of angels. None of us could probably count all the times that God's angels have come to our rescue. That God's angels have been there to help us and to guard us and to protect us. I believe in angels. Amen. I believe in angels and I believe that they are ministering spirits that have been sent to serve the saints of God. Father, I thank you today that we are not alone. Not only do we have the presence of your Holy Spirit with us wherever we go, but your angels, <laughs> your angels keep watch over us by day and by night. And we're thankful today, God, that you love us enough that you would send an angel, if need be, to block our path to keep us from a destructive life, from a destructive decision. Father, we thank you today for the ministry of angels. We don't worship those angels. We don't pray to those angels. We don't call on those angels. We call on you, God. We worship you, God. We praise you, God. We reach out to you, God. But you, God, many times use your angels to do your work in our lives. Lord, release, release your angels into the lives of those today, God, who need them to be their guide, to be their protector, Lord, to be their guard, God, to be the one that protects, to be the one that provides for them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.